Hi, I'm David Legere of Woodhall Press, and you're tuned in to Publish This Over Lunch. Today we're talking with writer Laura Allnut. Laura is a writer, editor, teacher, and vegan foodie from Cincinnati. Connect with her on her website, lauraallnut.com. That's Laura, A-L-L-N-U-T-T.com. Now, Laura is the author of the upcoming Below Them, The Horizon, available everywhere. Books are sold November 1st. It's the story of Lucy, a young woman on a hopeful quest to overcome a crippling mental illness and the illuminating friendship that lights her way. This coming-of-age novel illuminates the hazards of family, the price of loss, and the, uh, the guiding light of enduring friendship. Uh, thank you, Laura, for being here today. Thank you for having me. You're all, it's, this is uh, it's exciting. I'm, I'm, I love this book. I love uh, especially the cover art of this book. If anybody, you know, there's a lot of people out there that will buy a book uh, based on the cover, right? If anybody can yes. see it here. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful cover. It's a beautiful book from the outside in, right? So the cover is <laughs> yes. great, the is great. Highly recommend it. So uh, I always start off these interviews. Uh, I'm curious, would you tell us something you found incredibly inspiring in the literary world uh, in 2020? Sure. And I think my answer is going to be a repeat of what some other people have already said in these interviews. <laughs> but I just love how the writing community has come together. Um, I think because we often feel so holed away in our, you know, writing caves that, yeah. you know, it seems like such a private, and it is such a private business. But all of these, um, you know, like publish this podcast and the FUMFA live readings and yeah. the Zoom conferences and all of those things. I just think that they really brought us out of the woodwork and put us to maybe not in the world as much, but like at least together, like we've united as a as a team. And I, I really like that. I like that a lot. It makes me think back to the Fairfield MFA days when we get together and like talk about writing. It just feels good. It does. And it's, it's I love that you bring up uh, team because it's that, that synergy, like even Publish This uh, came about, I've mentioned this before, but it, it was really uh, started with uh, Nick Mancuso, right, author of Fever. Mm. And he had just said, hey, why don't we do an Instagram Live uh, interview? And this was, you know, months ago at this point. And I just said, yeah, why don't we? And it's that, that, and that, and that would not have occurred necessarily uh, pre pre 2020, right? Because 2020 was this time where everybody starts thinking, how can we connect in a really thoughtful way uh, digitally? Um, yeah, here we are. <laughs> yeah, and leave right. it to Nick Mancuso to come up with a good idea. <laughs> All right. And if anybody's curious, um, check out that episode. We are now on uh, these episodes are now also available as podcasts. So I'm happy to report. Uh, that's our first episode. If you tell your Alexa, Alexa, play, uh, publish this over lunch with Woodall Press, uh, you'll get uh, that first episode with Nick. <laughs> so it's great. All right. So uh, mental health, uh, mental illness, right? It's a it's a topic you cover in Below Them the Horizon. And I'm curious, you know, why did you, you know, tackle this this huge topic? And how should someone engage in that discussion then thoughtfully, right? The mental health discussion. How do you you know, enter it? And why did you write about it? Um, well, I actually resisted writing about it for a good while. Um, it was something that I pers I have dealt with um, myself. And at the time that I was writing the book, I was mm -hmm. I was not in a healthy place to start writing about it objectively. And then when I was in a healthier place, I felt embarrassed to talk about it because I knew 
inevitably, once, if the book ever made it out into the world, I would have to tell people, oh, I was inspired to write it because, you know, I've dealt with it. And I'm, I'm able to write about it because I've dealt with it. Um, but what really what inspired it, what made me really feel comfortable talking about it was realizing that so many people felt that way, the, the shame of talking about it. And mm -hmm. I thought if we, the more we destigmatize something that we're all very embarrassed, we feel shame over, um, the more we can help other people not feel that shame. Yeah. So that was a huge part of the inspiration. Um, I think in engaging in the discussion of mental health, I think it's a, it's a very diverse spectrum. I, I really think that we need to give people the space to deal with it the way that is comfortable for them um, and not say, you know, do treatment, don't do treatment, get therapy, don't do therapy. You know, there are so many people try to tell you what to do and what not to do. And I think yeah. we need to support people to find the thing that works for them because some people, they have to get on medication, they have to see a therapist, you know, they have to take a sabbatical from life for a while. Like, and some people, you know, they just need someone, a friend like Lucy does in Below Them the Horizon, who is able to be that person who stays with you and listens to you talk through your problems, makes you help you, makes you help yourself. <laughs> Yeah. And so we just need we just need to be open to what that other person needs and engage in conversation and find that delicate balance of saying, what do you need and how can I help and mm -hmm. how can I push you where you might be holding yourself back? Yeah. And you touched on a great point. And it's, you know, it's this idea of writing in some way about what you know, right? And you know, as writers, we're often told, uh, you know, uh, I, at least I've been told this over the years from some uh, experts, you could say, that uh, don't write about what you know, you know, write about what you don't know. Right. And I, and I think that there's, there's strength in that. But I also think, why would we reserve, why would we hold ourselves back from writing about what we do know? Like, why wouldn't we draw on some of our strengths and bring that to our writing? And I think it, it is a balancing act, right? Write about what you don't know, but don't be afraid to write about what you do know. Right, and, and exactly. Yeah. For sure. Uh, keep going. <laughs> I was gonna, I'm sorry, I was just gonna say, and I think um, I sort of did that with Lucy because even though I, I used my own experience, um, she, had, she had a different take on anxiety than I even did. And so I was able to like approach her objectively because I, it wasn't me, Lucy is not me. I was just able mm -hmm. to channel my experience into a unique character exactly and and that's so you know when i, I wrote a short story years ago in a similar vein i wrote about actually it was uh, a young girl going through the grief of losing her sister mm. and in that moment you know i'm not neither a young girl right so right. <laughs> there's the moments but we still write from our own like well of uh, we've experienced loss right we've experienced tragedy we've experienced the emotions and we could bring those emotions into the characters and create something new right uh, you know and so i always tell people don't don't dismiss what you know yeah <laughs> draw on those experiences for uh, sure and... <laughs> all right so in that in sticking with below the, the horizon you know you you've you've created this character lucy and it's a very plot driven uh story right it, it moves you know i'm i'm curious what's the inspiration like how how do you approach plot and what can you tell us about just 
you know, writing plot in general. It's this, it's the pacing, right? And you, you balance that really well. So first, what's some of the inspiration behind the plot? And then what advice do you have for balancing plot as a, as a writer? Um, well, I, the book started out in the early drafts being very much more lyrical, you know, kind of in mm -hmm. her head. And it really, I realized in later drafts when I read through it that it wasn't going anywhere. And mm -hmm. that I couldn't let Lucy just wallow in her mental illness. <laughs> <laughs> um, and really what helped bring plot in was giving Audra her own voice. Because in the original draft, she didn't have a voice. She was a character. And I thought, the people who help us through our mental illness are so important. Mm -hmm. And I should give voice a voice to that person. And yeah. Audra's story can help move Lucy's story so that Lucy isn't stuck in this one place. And I thought mm -hmm. that that was really important for somebody with mental illness, because when you struggle with that, when you're in the throes of it, you feel stuck in one place. And yeah. having the story move Lucy and push her into out of her house, that was a, mm -hmm. a big part of it, which is, you know, symbolic of pushing herself out of this mental block she's in. Um, I thought it would be really symbolic to use plot as a way to show how to help overcome mental illness because mm -hmm. it's, we're so stuck in our heads sometimes, but movement helps us. It helps get us out and plot, you know, is the movement of a story. So I just mm -hmm. thought that that kind of tied in um, pretty well. Yeah. It's this balancing act, right? Of, creating a, a story that moves, right? The movement that you, you mentioned, you can't get too caught up in your own head. And sometimes you need that outside vehicle to help mm -hmm. you move your story forward, even if it's not the main character. Right. Because otherwise, right, have you ever read, you know, I've, I've, I've run into this, uh, sometimes literary, fi literary fiction gets labeled this, where sometimes it's like, it has no plot. Yeah. And you know, then on the other side, you see sometimes commercial fiction, like it's too much plot. So it's finding that balance where, right, what, what is literary fiction? It's characters that resonate. Right. So it's creating characters that resonate while still telling a story that moves. And I think you right. balance that really well. well uh, and, it's, and, and, and to anybody listening, find those vehicles to create movement, even if your main character is stationary in that moment. Uh, you know, I mean, my own novel, I, I similar, which I still have to finish, but I remember I scrapped it in the MFA program. I was working on this book and it just never moved. Right. Like I was yeah. like, it was all in my head. It was all cerebral. It was all. And I, I realized uh, it, it was cathartic for me, mm -hmm. but it wasn't for anybody else. Like it was, it was <laughs> I wrote it for me, <laughs> which is good too. If anybody's writing for themselves, that's, that's another form of therapy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> All right. So how is your journey then on this quest of Below the Horizon? How has your journey as a writer been shaped by your experiences? Like, can you identify your inspiration? It sounds like you've drawn from personal experiences, but can you say a little bit more as a writer and identify your inspiration? Um, well, I mean, life, of course, but also reading. I get so much inspiration from books. And mm. um, I, I have a very vast <laughs> preference for books. I don't lock myself into any one, no. you know, genre or whatever. And I always like to, to discover new authors. Um, and often what I do, and I've been doing this since I was a child, when I started penning stories as just a kid, I would read stories. And then I guess it was kind of a form of fan fiction. But I would think, 
I really wanted more of that moment of the story. I'm going to write a story that deals more with that moment. Yeah. And you kind of take those things like that you have read and the parts that really stuck out to you and that you kind of wish the author had dug into a little bit more and find a way to create a story that can include that or just take that and run with it and make a whole new story. You know, and just having that one moment that really, if it really hits your heart, I think that that's an important topic for you, an important angle for you. And that will speak to other people because, you know, they always say if you're never alone in these things. If one person does it, at least a hundred other people have done it. So yeah. um, I, I really like yeah. drawing that kind of inspiration from books. Yeah. In, in fact, I, I, you're circling around this idea. It's like, you, why we always have to reinvent the wheel, right? We, we yeah. kind of we see what works, what works for us or what we would like to work. And we draw that inspiration. And, you know, one of the things I ask uh, my students is, can you recall the first time you ever read something and it made you cry? Mm. Um, and for, you know, a lot, some students, they haven't yet experienced that. But it's that moment, where were you the first time you read something and it actually moved you to tears? Because in that yeah. moment, that, that writer succeeded in what it was they're doing. And then you need to identify how they succeeded and really analyze it. So it's that it's finding that inspiration from the from the writers we read. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. Huh. Did you ever, uh, you know, this is a trick that I've done. Do you ever take your favorite writer and your favorite writer, your favorite book from your favorite writer, and then look at the opening paragraph of the first page, right? And then the last paragraph of the last page, and I will write, rewrite them. And I try to figure out in my mind what was it about this opening paragraph and this final paragraph that made this book so impactful for me and such a success? Because a lot of times I find that there's a correlation between our favorite books in that first paragraph. There's yeah. usually some kind of a hook that they get you. And then you look at your same favorite author on the books that you're kind of like, meh. And then you read that first paragraph and you can see why. Yeah. It's that first paragraph. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I've never actually done the first paragraph with the last paragraph like that. Um, yeah. But I do, I when I go to pick a book off the shelf, I always read the first page because yeah. I always know if a book is going to keep me just by the first page. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? It's that for the first page test. And and you probably have seen, like, it's, it's getting more and more. We're seeing more collections of essays. Mm -hmm and more stories, and right, we put out a lot of flash nonfiction because it's getting that first page, but even shorter, right, more digestible and getting mm -hmm. that full experience. Mm -hmm. uh, would you ever consider actually doing something like, you know, in the future, like, um, you know, a novella or short stories? Do you do anything like that? Yeah, I published a few short stories, or yeah. uh, one short story, two essays. Um, um. And I really do enjoy it. I actually want to get into that more. The book that I'm currently writing, um, which is very, it's in the very beginning stages. Um, I actually had the thought of writing short stories that deal with the broader aspects of the story and publishing those short stories, you know, before I even start pitching the book. Yeah. Um, just to see like what kind of, you know, maybe readers that who are drawn to it. And I mean, I have an idea of what readers would be drawn to it, 
but seeing like what resonates with people and like if people pick up on like oh this is this is a cool idea i want to know more about this and just kind of putting those feelers out um and yeah i think i i'm i'm really getting more interested in writing short stories and i kind of wish that i had spent at least one semester of the mfa (laughs) doing just short stories (laughs) i think that would have been really helpful it it was i you know and it's funny I've interviewed a few different authors now that amaze me because they can shift gears between novel to short story to poetry and they could just kind of run this range of um, writing about whatever you know medium that they are in in the moment. Whereas I find a lot of other authors like Stephen King, for instance, couldn't write short stories for years because his mind was set in novel mode. Right. So all he could write was novels and he actually had to try and train himself to write a short story again. And then he started getting in the short story mode. Um, So it's kind of how do you shift the gears? I only to your point, uh, I did in the MFA program as well, short stories um, for the first part. And it was so beneficial. But once I got into the novel mode, I haven't written a short story now in a couple years. And the novel just, yeah, I love it. I love it. But it's, it's in your mind. It's a totally different process, right? Where yes. everything is switched out. Yes. Uh, yeah. You feel yeah. like you have. I, I When I started writing a short story, the one that I got published a little while ago, I got into it and I was like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be a novel. And it's it really is an exercise to, like, make yourself take yes. the most important points. <laughs> Like how how right and how do you make a short story now that's like not four thousand words yes. like you know because once you're in the novel mode you start writing like oh it's only four thousand words and then every literary magazine has like a you know two thousand word cut off or whatever it is yes like, oh. <laughs> but speaking of um, people who are so diverse I just and maybe I've been living under a rock I probably have I just discovered Neil Gaiman during the pandemic. And what? Oh, here I am. Um, okay. Neil Gaiman. Yes, yes that's uh, the first one I read. The I graveyard book, that. right? In fact, look, you're gonna love this. I, he even drew a little cemetery, little uh, headstone, right? Can you see that? Oh my Neil goodness. Gaiman signed it. <laughs> I'm so jealous. <laughs> I met Neil Gaiman. That's... I went to this. He is the nicest guy. I got a picture of me and him. He's very macabre. Like he kind of he gives off a Tim Burton vibe when you yes. speak with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's like the nicest guy. And I, I, I was, I had, uh, you know, that fanboy moment where I was just like in awe of Neil Gaiman. So you just discovered Neil Gaiman. This yes, wow. isn't that crazy? I uh, and it's all because I took the masterclass. You know, the the masterclass app where they're like you know gordon ramsay yeah. and all these other people yeah Robert Roberts, like they teach you their yeah. skill i i was just looking for you know craft talks really and i had already watched i think um judy bloom and mm-hmm. aaron sorkin and i was like oh neil gaiman looks like an interesting character and i was hooked <laughs> from the intro i could i almost, i couldn't stop listening and then i have purchased and read almost everything he has written in the five months of this pan, six months of this pandemic. (laughs) So what's your favorite so far? Uh, The graveyard book for sure. Me me too. I love it. But I also think Good Omens is brilliant. It's probably one of the most brilliant science fiction novels ever written. Nobody owns, right? I love it. Love it. Yeah. 
And in fact, if you haven't done the audiobook version of the Graveyard Book, highly recommend it because Neil Gaiman reads it himself. Uh-huh. And his voice is just, when because he knows these characters, right? He created it. And his voice is just so like melodic and yes. like hauntingly mesmerizing. So like as you're listening to, I've listened to the Graveyard Book on audio probably like 10 times. Now, oh my goodness. Because it's a short read too. It's like yeah. maybe eight hours or something. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's good. Well, I'm, I'm happy you've discovered, uh, I tell people about Neil Gaiman, and it surprised me how many people sort of resist because he writes, right? It's it's fantasy. It's, right. um, you know, it's not the, what people might ordinarily gravitate towards, but it's just so beautiful. I know. He's uh, just, he's got that perfect uh, blend of what you said at the beginning of plot and yeah. literary fiction yeah. combined. Like, it, he's brilliant. Yeah. You know what? I just downloaded uh, the audio version of Sandman. I it's available on Audible, and he, I guess it's his graphic novels, which I never read. So they made a, uh, it's a full cast, by the way, for this version of Sandman, which so far, it's interesting. Um, so I'll let you know what I think of it. Like, when I finish, I'll, I'll give it the thumbs up or Okay, not. <laughs> great. Yeah, I haven't read them either because I've never been into graphic novels, but I know that they exist and I've been wanting to read them. Wow, Neil Gaiman. All right, so we'll back to the Below Them the Horizon because okay. the, 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 also good. But anybody listening, highly recommend Neil Gaiman from two authors. Um, so, you know, this kind of it brings us back to the, the question I, I've really been wanting to ask this whole time okay. in my mind is why write at all? You know, I speak with so many writers. Um, I'm a writer, and I'm just curious, why do we do this? What's the point of Below Them the Horizon? You know, why should we read this? You know, why should you have written this? Like, what is, like, if you had to say, you're, you're like, you're standing there before the judge, right? And you got that, why is this? Um, why? What do you think? And it's such a, like, a loose, yes. huge question, but. <laughs> um, well, I, I ask myself that almost every single day, Dave. I'm not even kidding. Why do I do this? (laughs) And I think the answer is, of course, multifaceted. But I really think one of the biggest answers is you write for yourself first. And I I resisted that answer for a long time because it sounds selfish. And I don't like to ever feel or sound selfish. Um, But I really think that that's the the first reason that, you know, I believe that we are born with, you know, a gift that we're meant to use. And I think that for many of us, writing is one of the gifts that we're meant to use. And it, it might be that only a handful of people ever read it. It might be that you end up like Neil Gaiman and millions of people read it. But I don't think Neil Gaiman ever started writing for millions. I think he first started writing for himself. And I think that that's, it's just really important to to get those words on the page because it betters you. It makes you think through the things that you're going through and doing it in a way that you can make it clear to somebody else. And then when you can make it clear to somebody else, you've helped that person and they understand they have a greater, a broader understanding of this issue, this aspect. And that's what I really wanted Below Them the Horizon to do. I wanted to show the ugliness of mental illness in a really believable and understandable way. And one of the best compliments I've had on the book so far is my friend Lori, um, who has never struggled with mental illness. She said, I never could understand it, but your description of drowning, of of feeling like you're Mm -hmm. drowning and you can't breathe, that that made it understandable. 
for me. I could, I could put myself in the place of somebody feeling anxiety. Um, wow. And, and that's, that's why that's the second reason why I write is I've may help somebody else understand and I've reached somebody else with something that they didn't have a full understanding of before. Mm -hmm. it, it's that fostering empathy, right? And yeah, it's, it's, getting, it's that's the heart of it, right? We, we do this first, you know, I, I've been asked this question and I had the same answers as you. I said, because I can't do anything else. I'm a, I'm a writer because it's who I am. But ultimately we write because it's fostering empathy within one another. And it's, you know, I may have never have been um, a, a person in this situation, but now that I've read about a person in that situation, I can in some way feel what it might be like to be a person in that situation. Right, right. yeah. A greater awareness, uh, which is so important nowadays. I feel like we need more reading. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, lastly, three things. Um, coffee or tea? Both. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love both. I start the day with coffee and then I drink tea throughout the day. Me too. I'm switching. I, I, I normally would always kind of do the coffee and, you know, I'm, I don't know what's going on with me lately, but like I had coffee at like, I don't know, six o'clock last night or something. And I couldn't sleep. I mean, it was like midnight. I'm like, I'm like thinking about like, I should go clean the kitchen. I should do something. <laughs> like, this, is, this is weird. I used to be able to drink coffee like five minutes before bed and be fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, so what's one quote, motto, song? What gets you up and moving each day? Um, I love, I actually was funny. When I did the FUMFA live reading a couple weeks ago, I said yeah. Maya Angelou. And it's actually, I have two magnets with my two favorite quotes. Um, Maya, I, I attribute this to Maya Angelou. I said, and now that you don't have to be perfect, you can be good. But that's actually John Steinbeck. Um, mm. And I love that quote because I've always felt a pressure to be perfect. And whether that was, you know, imposed upon me or self-imposed, um, I, I can't stand it if something isn't done well um, or I don't want to do it at all. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I... I resisted publishing or putting my writing out there for a long time because it wasn't perfect because I can't get it perfect. And then I realized, mm. you know, our writing is always, and, and us as writers, we're always growing and we're always learning and we're always going to look back at previous writings and think, you know, have that feeling of hearing your voice on the speaker and like, Oh, <laughs> oops. <laughs> and uh, Kim Kupperman, Kim Dana Kupperman from um, Fairfield actually said that to me. I her book. I just lately started. I just lately started buying Wings. Was so beautiful, and um, I just loved it so much. And I complimented her on it, and she said, "Oh, I only ever read that and see its flaws, um, and how I um, could have done it better." And I thought, "Wow, if someone could be this good and still see her flaws, still see flaws in this." then that just shows that we're always on the track of, of getting better and better and better. And somebody's going to think our rating is brilliant. Someone else is going to think, oh, it could have been better, but we're on that journey. And that's the important thing. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and, and, and so true, right? We're constantly growing uh, or we should be. Uh, yeah. And I guess, and then that kind of brings us into, do you have a, a final tip or a piece of advice for anybody uh, listening right now? Um, keep writing and also do it 
the way that fits you best. Read craft books and take what's good and leave what's bad. It's like you said also at the beginning, mm -hmm. um, they always say, write what you don't know. Don't write what you know. Well, I mean, I was taught in college, write what you know. And then I got my MFA and it was, write what you don't know. And I was like, what do you write then? And you know, <laughs> just do you. <laughs> well, I like that, just do you, that's great. Uh, well, thank you again for being here. So uh, be sure to check out Laura at uh, lauraallnut.com. That's Laura, A-L-L-N-U-T-T.com. Uh, and if you have any other questions or if you'd you know, like to be a guest on the show, uh, email me at david at woodhallpress.com. Uh, so thank you again. Thank you. All right. Bye, Laura. Bye.